the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined by my co-host Don Dix, the chapter leader of Act for America in Corona. And uh, we have a, uh, I guess almost more than a guest, we also kind of almost a co-host here for us today, uh, Susan Shelley who is on the editorial board with the L.A. News Group. Our columns can be seen locally in the Redlands Daily Facts, San Marino Sun, Press Enterprise, and actually throughout the entire L.A. News Group chain. He's a former candidate for political office. And uh, we'll make sure I keep our responses in the form of a question because she, be, she was used to be in television as an associate producer on Jeopardy. That's right. Wow. That's right. Well, so we do have a, a number of Jeopardy questions to uh, pose to you now, and so we'll, we'll oh, kind of no. introduce that. Uh, saving California for 200. <laughs> that one, that's the question. That, that, should be, that should be the double Jeopardy question. It should right be. There. You're right. Well, welcome to the show. Thank Pleasure you. to have you. Pleasure to have a, uh, someone who's also passionate about uh, what we can do to save the state, save the country, save our communities from the onslaught of progressive utopia, which is uh, where I think the politicians believe they're taking us. Uh, welcome. You've written a book. Yes, let's, I have. Uh, let's talk about the book real quickly because throughout our, our time with you, we want to make sure people have the opportunity to find out where they can get your book, uh, what it's about. It's called How Trump Won by... Susan Shelley. And it looks like, is this a an assemblage of your columns? Yes, it is. This is a collection of the columns that I wrote from March of 2015, starting with the revelation of Hillary Clinton's email server, all the way through December after the 2016 election. These are columns I wrote about key moments that happened that were interesting at the time and turned out to be really significant about the election. Were you... Were you in, I'm not- I'm sure once you got to the general election, you supported Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. Oh, of course. Did you support him during the primary campaign? Well, I didn't take an official position during the primary campaign, but I always found it just so interesting to watch a businessman who was not a politician look at a situation and say, how do you accomplish what you want to accomplish? And he just ran circles around people. He beat not only the governors and the senators, he beat their consultants, he beat their experts, he beat their pollsters, he beat their donors. He just outsmarted everybody. And it was no accident. He's a very shrewd individual. He's a very intelligent person. And I think the country's going to be just fine because he is looking at the problem and thinking about the solution, and he doesn't care how people did it before. See, I think it was, I think it was more the, uh, I mean, Donald Trump did some good things in, in his campaign. But it was the time. It was, I think, people largely, his supporters, looked past the flaws and the imperfections and the and different than any other politician because they were just so sick and tired of what the ruling class was giving them. That's so true. 
This is this is a great point because I was thinking about this on the way in because I was listening to uh, discussion about his trip to you know Middle East, Mm -hmm. Europe, uh, juxtaposed with uh, Barack Obama this week, also in Berlin making his statements. And one of the things that I really have contemplated lately, especially with the quiet coup that's going on in Washington, D.C., is that more than Trump the person, Trump was a vessel. He was a vessel of the expression of the people. He was a virus that the people of America were inserting into the body body politic at the highest levels in order to... uh, In order to bring back and he said this in his inauguration speech in order to bring back control uh, to the people to help them to understand that they that we the people have the true political power uh, as envisioned by the designers of our constitution and his goal is to return that political power to the people the question remains are the people ready to assume that mantle and i'm not sure they are and i think that's part of the problem even here in california uh, I, my my vision is that we, if we were organized as effectively as the left is organized, we could run circles around the politicians and the forces in California that are taking us over a cliff. But we still have yet to discover the DNA of what that ability to organize is all about. Well, I think the problem is that people don't understand what they're fighting for. They know what they're fighting against, but they don't know what they're fighting for. And the left always knows what it's fighting for. It's fighting for collectivism. It's fighting for the idea that everything kind of belongs to everybody, and the government's job is to distribute it fairly. That's collectivism. Mm -hmm. And it is responsible for every bloody slaughterhouse in world history. It's everything that has been done in Soviet Russia, in Nazi Germany. It was always sold for the benefit of the people. It was never sold for the benefit of the ruler. That's not how they presented it it when people went to the barricades and fought for it. It's always for everyone's public good, for the common good. Well, what's the common good? There is no common anything, but we're individual people. The genius of the United States is that it was founded on individual rights. Your right as a person to your own life, your own happiness, your own liberty. That's what we have in the United States. And people don't recognize that they're fighting for individual rights, for their own freedom. Because collectivism is the opposite of freedom. And what Trump understands is that capitalism is the economic system of a free country. It's what happens when people can make value-for-value trades, when they can make their own decisions, when they live in freedom. He's not someone who's going to go around to businesses and say, you didn't build that. He knows who built it. He knows who's working 17, 18 hours a day in that business. He knows who did it. He's not going to say you should feel guilty for having that business because someone else built the sidewalk in front of it. He understands freedom. And he understands capitalism. And he's fighting for it. And this is why the left is going crazy about him, because he's undermining what they think is their moral premise. He's saying it's not moral to take from this person and give to that person. That's not a moral choice. It's not the government's role. He's really at the foundation of everything the left believes, and he's undermining it. And he's doing it brilliantly. This is how, if you, if you remember huh. the, first, the first presidential debate, I think is where he really won the election. If you go back to that first presidential debate, there was a particular question about cybersecurity where Lester Holt asked Hillary Clinton, cybersecurity is a problem, and, da, 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 and she gave some answer like, oh, yes, harumph, it's a terrible problem. And I just sat in the chair waiting 
waiting because he asked the question as if no one on the stage had put State Department secrets on a server in the bathroom in the basement, as if no one had done that. He asks about cybersecurity. So I sat there waiting for Donald Trump to just kill it on that answer. And then he didn't. He didn't say anything about cybersecurity. This is what he did. He talked about all the admirals and the generals who've endorsed him. And then he talked about how Bernie Sanders was shafted. And that's what we found out with the hacking. Now think about that for just a second. He's a television executive. He understood that no matter what the question was, this is an opportunity to reach all those viewers who are tuning in for the first presidential debate. He understood where the audience was. And he answered the greatest vulnerability, I think, of his campaign, which is, is he ready to be commander-in-chief? And he said, admirals and generals have endorsed me. He answered an unasked question. And then he reached for the Bernie Sanders voters. How brilliant was that? He reached for Michigan. He reached for all those Bernie Sanders voters who were watching this debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and feeling just miserable about it. And he said, you know, Bernie Sanders was shafted. And by the way, we have these terrible trade deals and we should have more jobs. And what happened in the election? He won Michigan, where Sanders had done so well. He won Wisconsin. He won all these states. If you go back to the the transcript of the first debate, you'll see him reaching for the coal miners. You'll see him reaching for the Jewish vote, talking about the Iran deal. You'll see him going after the coalition that elected Barack Obama twice. He broke it up in this race. Brilliant point, and we need to take a break here, but we're going to come back. We're going to talk about California, and is some, well, Trump is very unpopular in California. Is the model of breaking up the coalition on the Democrat side with a conservative populist for the working man and woman agenda possible here? But first, we need to hear from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Susan Shelley and whether we can save California after this message. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now. And from what Ed tells me, There are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now's the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. As always, our focus is the most important political office in the country is that of private citizen. And we always like to weave into our shows how everybody who's listening to the show can begin to 
take their place in the political infrastructure of the state in order to be able to save it. We're speaking right, have a special guest in studio, Susan Shelley. She's written a book called How Trump Won, which is a collection of her columns. She's a journalist and uh, definitely, you know, inside California understands the threat that the current legislature represents to, you know, the people of California, to our way of life and to capitalism. One of the things that is at the core of your work is the belief that what is it? The what would you call it? The green agenda, the environmentalists are using our legislative process in order to inflict maximum damage on capitalism and extract as much money from the voters, from the taxpayers as possible in order to push this green agenda forward. It shows up in so many of our uh, new laws. Uh, you know, Jerry Brown says that climate change is the biggest threat. He's one of those is the biggest threat. And certainly, you know, he couches a lot of and they couch a lot of what they're doing inside of that. Is that fair to say? Well, what I'm concerned about with the climate agenda in particular is that it doesn't accomplish anything to fix the climate. So take, for example, right. 10 years ago, we had two, about 10 years ago, we had two laws passed. One is AB 32 and one is SB 375. And here's what these are. AB 32 created all these extra charges essentially on running motors. It added, it added costs to fuel and it added costs to electricity. And you are paying a lot of money for this renewable fuels mandate. Every time you get a, a, an increase in your electricity bill, there's a little bill stuffer that says, well, we have to comply with state mandates. This is the state mandate. Right now, it's at 50% wind and solar energy. The, the utility that sells you electricity by the year 2030 has to be generating half that electricity from wind and solar. Now, here's the problem with that. It's extremely expensive. And it's intermittent, which means they have to upgrade the grid and they have to change the way they operate the grid in order to deal with the fact that the sun does not shine at night. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. So it's very expensive. And what are we accomplishing with that? There's a new bill, SB 150, which would grind people down if they're driving. It, tr it tries to reduce vehicle miles traveled in California. What does this accomplish for the climate? Right in the analysis that was done for the state Senate. It says California only accounts for 1% of global emissions of carbon dioxide, 1%. And it says right in the Senate's analysis that even if California stopped carbon dioxide emissions completely, it would have no effect on the global climate. Meanwhile, your electricity bill is going up. The cost of everything you buy in California is higher. Did you know that California's electricity rates are 30% higher than the national average? Yes. Well, this my, is why. Well, the figures I have is even worse than that. Uh, the figures I got are residential 42.3% higher than the national average, mm. commercial 51% higher, and industrial 93% higher than the national average. Now, why are we doing this to ourselves? We're accomplishing nothing. It accomplishes nothing, oh, uh, and it's wrecking the economy. Oh, no, 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 no. It is always definitely accomplishing something. As Brown said, this is a life and death struggle, and it's not going to be finished in six months or six years. The ultimate goal is to change the very basis of our industrial economy, and I think we're making tremendous progress. Oh, they're, they're definitely accomplishing things. Tremendous progress. Well, their agenda, they're accomplishing their agenda, I think is your point. Yeah, well, yes. let's talk about the consequences of, of, of SB 375, which was the anti-sprawl bill. Do you remember when Al Gore was talking about sprawl being a terrible thing? Well, they, they passed this Sustainable Communities Act 
2008. And what it says essentially is that it's going to be more difficult to build housing developments in outlying areas where it's affordable. So what has happened 10 years later? Housing in California is unaffordable. Young families can't find houses. And why? Because if somebody wants to build a housing development in an outlying area, they have to go through this gauntlet, and probably they can't even get through the gauntlet of, is it going to create more driving? Is it going to create more this, more that? Because the law is engineered to have a lot of government layers looking at whether this is creating sprawl. We need housing. What's the problem with driving? We're not doing anything to save the climate. And this is really, I think, the low-hanging fruit on how we can save California. If we didn't do these two laws 10 years ago, we would have a much stronger economy right now. And we would have more companies Mm. coming and locating in California, and we would have better jobs. Did you know that in the governor's budget, they had a revenue shortfall for the new budget, the one that was just, the May revision was just released. There was a revenue shortfall. And the reason there was a revenue shortfall is because the sales tax revenue disappointed from what they thought it would be a year earlier. Why? Because people were not buying things at the level that was projected. And why were they not buying things at the level that was projected? It turns out wages were revised downward from the forecast. In other words, translated into English, people in California are making less money and buying less stuff. But I thought the California economy was doing so wonderfully, and then California was back. I mean, Governor Brown said California's back, didn't he? I know, and for four or five years, they told us we had a balanced budget. And you know how they did that? They didn't count the pensions, and they didn't count the, uh, the backlog of transportation, and they didn't count what we owe for Medi-Cal. Everything's off budget, and ta-da, balanced budget. Some interesting number. We're talking about climate change that uh, 79% of Californians see global warming as a serious or somewhat serious issue. But when you ask them if that uh, doing something about it is going to significantly raise the price of gasoline, then 57 to 37 oppose those measures. And if it would reduce manufacturing facilities and cost middle-class jobs, then 66 to 24% oppose it. Well, you would think that some of the politicians in Sacramento would <coughs> would know how to message a little better on an issue like that, if given that polling. And Republicans, I'm sorry, I stepped on you. Go ahead. That, that's okay. I, I, I want to go back to something that we, you, you mentioned earlier, but make your point, because I think that it's important. What I think I know what you were getting ready to say. Chad Mays, there's an article in the LA Times last week. Chad Mays and his Republicans in the Assembly are prepared to support the cap-and-trade bill which is, never mind, 12 cents a gallon, which is, the, which is the last gas tax increase. The California Air Resources Board said it can raise gas prices up to 70 cents a gallon. And if, if CARB admits to 70 cents, it's probably going to be a lot more. Well, this exactly. is just destructive. This is, this, we are standing on our own oxygen hose in this state. <laughs> and every time they talk about doing things like that, there are businesses all around the country that are thinking in their offices, California no, thank you. Oh, yeah. And they're leaving. They're not only leaving, they're not coming in the first place. Right. And it's damage. Just talking like this damages the economy when they do this in Sacramento. You mentioned a, a little bit ago about uh, the mandate of moving California in a direction where 50% of our electricity comes from these green sources, solar right. and wind. Yes. And I like to always circle back to how individ- how, how people are, can stand up and use their political power in order to push back on this, there is a move right now on the part of these regional governments to embrace something called community choice aggregation, CCA. And what that is briefly is these uh, uh, unelected 
Council of Governments. It's called, there's WR COG, there's Sandbag. These groups are made up of the cities within these regions. And they've been proposed, a proposal has been given to them to uh, institute this thing called community choice aggregation, which is going to collectivize the electricity purchasing and distribution within these regions, mandating percentages of this green electricity. And they say initially this idea results in a, a modest savings of somewhere between 5 to 8%. But ultimately, there's no guarantee of that savings in the future. And what's going to happen, and, and, and based on models of either 30% being green energy, 50% or 75%, it blows that savings out of the window. And what it does is it mandates a percentage of the electricity be purchased almost like in an Enron sort of a scheme of these contracts that, you know, they will get our communities engaged in and require these communities, these community choice aggregation purchasers to have as a component of that a specific percentage of this green electricity. Well, we a group of citizens at the recent SCAG meeting uh, which is the Southern California, I'm sorry, Sandbag, Sandbag. meeting, uh, which is the regional governments throughout San Bernardino County, successfully defeated their consideration of that. They We attempted to do the same thing down in WR Cog. That didn't. But that's an example of how people in California who learn about this stuff, this is just one piece of the overall puzzle that you're describing, yes. can push back on that. We've got to take a break. Another word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, sponsor of this half of Unite IE Radio and our recent successful Unite IE Conservative Conference, more with Susan Shelley and the fate of California after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Reno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all Southern California and Arizona. Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower. Two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by California DRE, broker license number 01147747. And California Financers Lenders License number 603K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603K610. And MLS 9873. AM 590. The answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Mark Twain said that when the legislature is in session, no man's life, liberty, or property are safe, and he must have been thinking about the current California legislature. He certainly could have been. I want, to, I want to alert everybody about Senate Bill 231, which is an extremely expensive bill if it passes. And it's in the, it has already passed the Senate. It's, it's in the Assembly right now. Call your Assembly representative about Senate Bill 231. Here's what it would do. It would change the definition of sewer to include stormwater. And by doing that, it would fall under an exception in Prop in prop. 218, which is the right to vote on taxes, so that stormwater projects for billions of dollars 
could be added to your property tax bill without a vote of the people, just by redefining sewer to include stormwater. And that's because sewer charges, you don't normally have to vote on sewer charges. That's an exception to Prop 218. And Senator Bob Hertzberg from Van Nuys wants to redefine sewer to include these billions of dollars of groundwater, sewer, recapturing the stormwater when it rains, cleaning it up, this kind of thing. It's incredibly expensive, and there's nothing wrong with doing it, but you should be able to vote on it. Because otherwise, you're going to get your property tax bill, and it's just going to have these extra charges on it for stormwater infrastructure. Senate Bill 231, call your assembly person and say no to that. You want the right to vote on stormwater projects. Well, and that's a trend now is they're trying to put, instead of raising taxes, is we're going to put that into some kind of fees. In my city of Redlands, they put they, they did a, a tax, in essence, money for fixing the roads as part of the uh, garbage fees, claiming really? that the garbage trucks were damaging the roads, and that's why we needed to have an increase in the garbage fees. So th- this, this using fees well, is, a, uh, is a new end run around uh, the, the requirements to get the voters' approval for taxes. Well, the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association fights against these in court all throughout California, and they win. And they win because the voters have spoken clearly on this. They want the right to vote on taxes. Much more about the damage that our legislature is invoking on California and what you can do about it with the author of How Trump Won. Susan Shelley's with us for the full hour talking about the damage uh, that Sacramento is inflicting and what the solutions are uh, for the average person here in California. We'll be back after this break. And you can connect with Susan at Susan Shelley of the L-E-Y on the end dot com. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program. We're very fortunate today, Greg, to have an in-studio guest, a journalist, a columnist by the name of Susan Shelley. Uh, she wrote a book called How Trump Won, which is a collection of her articles throughout the primary and general session, general campaign. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading this because it's always important to relive history. You can learn so much from it. But Susan is very social in social media. She has a Facebook uh, presence, Susan Shelley, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. You can keep up with uh, her on Facebook and also Twitter at at Susan underline Shelley, sorry, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. She is a columnist. She's a member of the editorial board of the Southern California News Group. And she's been writing. How long have you been writing? How long has journalism been your... I've been this, doing I've been doing the columns since November of 2014. So okay. it's two and a half years. And before that, before that, well, I started my career in the television industry. Okay, I was a history major, and then of course, where would you go with a history degree except into the television industry? And I worked in uh, game shows. I was the associate producer of the game show Jeopardy for a while, and then I went on to be a full time writer. So as associate producer, does that mean that you wrote the questions that... uh... No, what I did is I managed the production of all of... Making sure that those questions popped... The answers popped up in the right windows on the monitors and the... She's a former candidate for the Assembly and and, and currently a columnist with the LA News Group. That's right. For $200. Right. Who is Susan Shelley? (laughs) Right. So let's go to uh, How to Save California for $200, Alex. How to Save California for $200. Well, the first thing we need is we need honesty about our budget. And the reason we need honesty about our budget is because all of the pension debt, the unfunded liability for pension and health benefits, is off the budget. We owe probably... Somewhere north of $200 billion, maybe as high as a trillion dollars. It depends on how well the stocks perform. 
thank you, President Trump, because every time the stock market goes up, California's pension debt is just a little bit easier to bear. Assuming that the California pension is invested in the right things, and I think a lot a of their... Point. Yeah, they've, they've missed out, quite frankly, on uh, certain uh, aspects of this rally because they do not, on purpose, invest in certain things that go against their agenda. And I believe that they're low on things like oil, oil production, uh, tobacco. They're no longer allowed to invest in certain social programs. But you're right. I mean, ultimately, uh, a big part of their performance is based on the overall uh, performance in the market. So, yes, thank you to Donald Trump for giving the market a boost. And and it's it's so so aggravating because the pensions for for CalPERS, the, the state employee pensions, they don't ask the legislature for the money. They just tell the legislature how much they need. The other unions, like the teachers' union, they have to they have to ask, and they ha- it has to be appropriated. But for Calpers, they just take it. This is how much we're going to take. This is what we need. So the, if their investments don't perform, they don't care. It's on us. Your 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 point about honesty in the budget is a great one because underlying so much of what we talk about when we talk about these various egregious bills and the things that some local municipalities are doing. The unfunded liability, the cost of pensions, and the and the benefits that are given to municipal and public employees is at the core of all of this. Yes, I know our city of Cal- of Corona is about ready to embark on the pro- on on uh, putting to the voters a one percent raise in the sales tax. Why? It's going to be couched as public safety, but the reason is ultimately it's to pay for the portion of the pensions that are going to be pushed back right. in the direction of cities and counties. Sure. Uh, it's just it's more figures here. The average government pension after 30 years of work is $68,673. The average private sector pay, these are California figures, $54,326. You know, one of the problems is that we can't do anything about the previous commitments. And and really, these are, these are retired people. They've worked hard. This was the deal that they had. And we can't take it away. And we really shouldn't want to take it away. What we should want is growth in the economy so there's more revenue coming into the state so we can afford to pay for the safety net and the pensions and the schools and everything that we want in California. I agree with you that that's part of the solution. The other part of the solution, our unfortunately elected officials do not have the political will to go after, which is the platform, the the, the design of the California pension plan is a defined benefit pension plan. Until we can move in the direction of a 401k style, a defined contribution where people in cities put away a percentage of, you know, salaries and then the benefits are whatever they are, right? It's based on the accumulation of the return. Corporations were forced to do this back in the 80s. That's when 401ks came in vogue because corporations realized back then that defined benefit pension plans were unsustainable. Right. They are currently unsustainable, and the California legislature, for, for everything that they, they don't have the political will to approach unions and go, and, and they should love this word, unsustainable. Our current pension system is completely unsustainable, particularly when they project returns of 7% and base benefits on returns of 7%, but only achieve returs of 1%. Well, sure, and there, there's been some accounting changes, which is they're forcing them, the local governments, to be and the state government to be more honest in accounting for their pension liabilities, which is then which is dramatically increasing the cost of the pension. Not as good; they're actually being a little bit closer to being funded, but it's driving out other expenses. Right. So, every you mentioned the Corona tax increase because money's fungible. 
They never they never put on the tax incre- uh, the tax increase to the voters. Say, well, we need to raise your sales taxes by one percent to pay for pensions and, re- and retiree health care. That wouldn't go anywhere. So it's always you know, well, if you want some roads or if you want uh, public safety, you need to pass the tax increase. Right. We never get to the choice of well, can we cut back on benefits for government workers or you cut back on benefits for illegal immigrants. Right. So at the core of these, you mentioned SB 231. Uh, we just recently found out, you know, we the state just passed, the governor just signed SB 1. SB 1 is a an additional tax on transportation, on gas, on diesel, on our cars. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why do they need that increase? Because they've been taking that money and using it for other purposes right. among them to help the state deal with this growing liability to pay benefits to state and local workers that are plugged into the PERS retirement system. And Mm -hmm. for the last three or four years when they were telling us we have a balanced budget, we have a balanced budget, we have a balanced budget, we didn't have a balanced budget. We had $100 billion of, of repairs that were deferred for the roads, for the bridges, for the freeways. They just took it off the budget and they took the pensions off the budget. Right. And the state water project is off budget because, after all, if if you need repairs to the Oroville Dam spillway, that's not on the taxpayers. That's on the rate payers. Guess what? They're the same people. Yep. Absolutely. You know, so, we, talk, go ahead. we talk about SB1. Uh, there is actually an initiative that's being organized right now. And as we try to relate everything back on this show to what can people do, we want to talk a little bit about what people can do in order to help SB1 show up on the ballot in November of 2018, the initiative to repeal it. We'll talk about that and more with our guest today, Shelley, Susan Shelley. I keep wanting to use your last name as your first. Susan Shelley, tell you more about how you can connect with her to get her book, How Trump Won, and more as we continue on the Unite Inland Empire radio program. After this word from All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Well, just as Mark, we talked in the last segment, Mark Twain foresaw the current situation in California. So did Thomas Jefferson when he said that the natural progress of things is for liberty to yield and government to gain ground. Well, we can't have that. We're, we're taking it back. Well, and you know, to that point, one of the reasons that they created the Republic, and that this, is the, this is one of the, the sort of hidden gems within the design of our government, is that, you know, you have government, you have federal state governments, but within a Republic, you're supposed to have an equal and counterbalancing force from the people so that the people keep government in reign. And when the people forget that role, when the people forget that they are in a uh, by design element 
of our government and they walk away from their responsibility, there is no longer that counterbalancing force that keeps government in line. And exactly what you said, Greg, government grows. It's in its DNA to grow power, to grow in size. It's a natural thing. It's part of the way it works, you know, consolidate and grow power. Without the people pushing back on it, which is the whole purpose for our show, is to teach folks how they can push back on it, um, government grows you know, out of its, you know, confines. Absolutely true. And and freedom, people don't understand what freedom actually is. Freedom is limits on government power. Where there are no limits on government power and the government can do whatever it wants to whoever it wants for whatever reason it decides, that is not a free country. That's California. That's California. And you don't want vague laws where you don't know what's illegal and the government bureaucrats decide what's illegal and come at you after the fact and say, what you just did was illegal. Well, I didn't know it was illegal. It doesn't matter if you didn't know. Well, where is it Where is it written? Well, it's just very vague, and we're going to define it this and way. And you experience that personally because you have an ongoing battle with the Fair Political Practices I Commission. I do. This is so silly. In 2013, I was a first-time state candidate, and because the in- it was a special election, and because the incumbent ran for two offices at once, and then didn't resign from the assembly when he won the second office. He ran for the city council in Los Angeles because he was term limited out of the assembly. And there was an odd number year election for city council, so he ran for city council just a couple of months after he won re-election to the assembly. Everybody knew he was going to resign, but he didn't. He waited until he could be sworn in, so he didn't lose a single day on the public payroll. He waited till he could be sworn into the city council, and he resigned from the assembly at the end of June. But we knew from the previous November, really, and certainly from March when he officially won, that he was going to be out of the assembly and there'd be a special election. So what the FPPC said was, you can't open a committee for the special election because he hasn't resigned yet. So in order to legally raise money for this special election, you must open a 2014 committee. Okay, I opened a 2014 committee. I thought I'd be able to rename it the 2013 committee. No, no, no. When he actually resigned, you had to have a 2013 committee and a 2014 committee. And you have to transfer the money between them because you can't spend it out of the 2014. They're making this stuff up. There was a there was a requirement to do double reporting for all of it. And there was this compressed time period because the primary and the general were 60 days apart. And the whole thing, the election was called at the first part of July, and it ended November 19th. And there were something like 16 separate deadlines for pre-election reporting, and I didn't know that. So some of it was late. Okay, so four years later, they're coming after me. I paid all the late fees, but somewhere they decided to come after me. They're calling it 11 counts for mailing the paper copies late of the stuff that was filed electronically, mostly on time, sometimes a couple of days late. They're calling that 11 counts of violating the Political Reform Act. They want $55,000 in fines. I'm fighting it. Wow. Yeah. And people wonder why folks do not want to run for office. They've made it so onerous and complicated. But there well, I'm about to continue our discussion is how to save California if it can be saved. We talk about honesty and budgeting. What else if if, if you were given command mm-hmm. of the California Republican Party? Mm-hmm. What would you do? <sighs> what would I do? Well, I'd abandon the strategy of so-called targeted races. Uh, because I think that is not productive. It, the the idea, the thinking is that they have limited resources. They should pick out maybe two or three races every election cycle and only focus on those and throw everybody else to the wolves. Well, the problem with this is it discourages the volunteers, it discourages the donors, it discourages the candidates, and pretty soon 
guess what? You're at 24% statewide registration. What I would do if, if I had two weeks to run the Republican Party is I would look for races all over the state and press the ideas that will fix California with a cogent message in every race so that it all hangs together for people. And they are comfortable donating because we're advancing the message, we're advancing the policies, we're, we're putting forward the ideas that will actually fix things. Not just saying no to things, but actually this would really fix things. Housing is too expensive. We have a law that's making housing more expensive. Let's get rid of that law. That's what I would do. I would, I would look at all the races and try to generate new voters into the Republican mm into the Republican Party. We have an opportunity with the top two primary that we can always run a candidate who will get the ideas across. We can always move the discussion in the right direction. And I think it really is very important to look at every district as a winnable district at some level. That's not to say that you put the same financial resources into every district, but certainly you put in the rhetorical support, the verbal support, the energy, and you try to get people off the couch and realizing that they can make a difference in politics. So I asked the question earlier, is there a way to make a conservative populist for the working man and woman appeal successfully in California? Appeal to the working man and woman? Well, I know what will appeal to the working men and women is repealing SB1. Yes, that's that a, certainly that, will. That's an obvious one. That is that is a huge issue. We talk about on this show, what can people do? As soon as this initiative pro, uh, comes out of the bureaucracy and is ready to gather signatures, everybody within the listening radius of this radio show should go to, what is it? What's the no, website? NoCAGasTax.com. Our guest last week, Travis Allen, has set this up, and he's behind the initiative to repeal the gas tax, not just gas tax, vehicle license fee and diesel. Right. And so anything, if you buy goods that are carried in a truck, that's going to make that all more expensive. And so he's behind that initiative. And curiously, the Republican Party does not seem to be behind that. You would have thought the next day after they passed this, they would have been out there. They filed it. Yes. We're, you know, at the press conference, they're all lined up, every one of them from the legislature. We're filing an initiative on this, and we're going to take this to the people. Where are they? Well, they're nowhere, but the people, you you can do something. And right now, before, we're waiting for this to emerge from the state so that we can begin gathering signatures in the meantime. What you can do is go to nocagastax.com and there's a red button, take action. Contribute five, you know, a minimum of $5. That will get you once the uh, uh, signatures are, pages are ready. That will get you a package in the mail of a form that you can go out to your friends and neighbors and begin to gather signatures. And then there's also going to be an envelope that you can mail it back. It's one of the easiest things you can do, one of the most necessary things you can do in order to push back on this. And you're right, Greg. Why, you know, the the, the conservative... I should I shouldn't say that why the Republican Party has not got I know conservatives are behind it. Why the Republican Party as an institution has not gotten behind this is a mystery. Why have they not? I mean, they talk about I see their ads on social media flying by on Facebook saying, you know, Republic, you know, the, the Democrats have have destroyed our roads and water government. You know, Republicans can fix it. The very easy way for for Republicans can and 
the, the great thing about this is this is a nonpartisan issue. This should be an opportunity for the Republican Party to reach out to independents and right-leaning Democrats and say, look what the, the radical left wing of the Democratic Party is doing to you. And we just saw that we talked about the poll data on global warming is that people, once it costs them money, they may normally be a Democrat, vote Democrat, but if it costs them money, they, then they're against it. They're, they're for raising taxes as right. long as they think it's on somebody else. But every, not themselves. every working Californian is going to pay for this. Absolutely. Every person who has a job that drives to a job is going to pay for this. Every Californian that has a car is going to pay for this. And what you're paying for is the malfeasance and misuse of public money by the California state government. And, and here's another true. one. And here's another one. There's a poll. 60% of adults in California favor educational choice, including... In the figure here, 73% of African Americans, 69% of Latinos, 56% of Asian Americans. Once again, the Republican Party has a, has a great opportunity. We're on the side of getting good education for your children. We're on the side of giving you, the parents, the same choice where to send your schools that rich liberals have. And... But, you know, the, the, the messaging is very important, and, and people should be focusing on explaining the solutions and explaining how it can be better and explaining what the causes of the problems were and why, why we have these consequences. For instance, there's a revenue shortfall in the May revision of the governor's budget this year. There's a revenue shortfall. And I asked the director of finance, I had the opportunity to be on a conference call, and I asked the director of finance for California, why is there a revenue shortfall? And he said, the sales tax revenue disappointed People just weren't making purchases at the level that we projected. Well, why is that? Turns out wages were down. So they had to revise wages down from what they expected they would be. Why? Because more of the jobs that were created in California were low wage than they anticipated. And so the revenue was short for the income tax. It doesn't come in from low wage jobs. It comes in from high wage jobs. So the, the income tax revenue was down and the sales tax revenue was down. People are making less money and buying less stuff. And that is a lower standard of living. That's what, that's what you call that. And why is this? Because we have laws that we have passed in California that have done this to us, where we've made electricity more expensive, which raises the cost of living all across the board. And rather than tighten their belts, what they do is pass new taxes. And we have a 20.6% poverty rate in this state, the highest, highest in, in the, the country. nation. Yes. The highest in the country. When the, when the Census Bureau takes into account the cost of living, California has the highest poverty rate in the country. We can take a word and break and hear from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. More with Susan Shelley after this message. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer.
Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. We are wrapping up with our special guest this hour, Susan Shelley. She's a columnist, a journalist. She wrote the book, How Trump Won. Your articles, this is a collection of the articles you wrote during the campaign, both yes. the primary and the general, uh, about uh, Donald Trump. But your your writing is, is uh, prolific in a variety of different places. Where can people read more of your work? Well, the opinion columns uh, are in the San Bernardino Sun, the Riverside Press Enterprise, every Sunday in the opinion section, uh, the Inland Valley Daily Bulletin, or you can find it on my website, susanshelley.com, uh, and you can you can read any of these newspapers uh, online. They all have digital editions. You can read them on your tablet, your phone, your wristwatch. Your and computer. you can and you can also connect with Susan through show, social media. She's on Facebook at susan.shelley.9 and she's also on Twitter. You can keep uh, track of her and follow her on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is at Susan underscore Shelley, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. You can get her book wherever books are sold, Amazon.com. Final thoughts, Greg? Well, and you can also hear her in person at uh, next week's Redlands Tea Party Patriots meeting on June 1, 7 o'clock at Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone. We'll also have Philip Haney, Department of Homeland Security whistleblower. It's going to be a great meeting. And you can come hear more from Susan Shelley and, uh, and her thoughts on how we can try to save uh, California. We've got one minute left here. Susan, what would you like to say? Well, I'd like to repeat that everyone should call their assembly representative and say no on Senate Bill 231, the stormwater tax with no vote. Be sure to say no on SB 231. Save yourself some money. Save your house. And um, be sure to vote. You should always you should always vote. I, I wish we had voter ID in this state so that we had more confidence that our elections were, were sound. Uh, I'd like to just... Remind everybody that the Supreme Court will be looking at voter ID laws and looking at laws like whether public employees have to pay dues to their union if they don't agree with what the union is doing. And these are things that will give everybody hope for the future for conservative views to prevail in California. The landscape is improving. And thank goodness for President Trump and Justice Neil Gorsuch. Yes. Amen. You can get her book, How Trump Won, columns by Susan Shelley on Amazon. Follow her on social media and Twitter. And come see her at the Redlands Tea Party Patriots June 1st meeting at the Mill Creek Inn. That's going to do it for us. Tune in next Saturday at 4 p.m. for more about how you can get engaged in saving California. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.